Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. Tomorrow we celebrate something very special, near and dear to our hearts, and that is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm excited today. I want to bring to you uh, the message from Luke chapter 2 with a few thoughts as we go through it. But I want to talk to you about the meanings of the words Christmas Eve. Since today is Christmas Eve, this is technically my Christmas Eve sermon, right? Christmas is a day to commemorate the birth of Jesus. You know what I love about that definition? It came from the World Dictionary, meaning it came from Webster's Dictionary. This is a dictionary meant for the world. This is not the biblical dictionary, right? So what I'm telling you is that even the world understands whether they confess it whether they admit it, they know the truth about what December 25th is set aside for. Now, the enemy has come in. He's commercialized a lot of things. He's tried to pull our attention away from the true meaning of Christmas. We even have debates in in Christian circles about the fact that December 25th was not the actual birthday of our Lord and Savior. All of that misses the point of what we're doing. The point of what we're celebrating is the birth of Jesus. And since Jesus judges our hearts, he don't care if we know the exact day that he was born. He cares about why we're celebrating. He cares about about what's in our heart. That was a hard one to say. He cares about what's in our heart. I think I got it right that time. And so what's in our heart this Christmas season? Praise God. Say it again, my friend. Jesus' birthday. I love it. I love it. That word commemorate means to call to remembrance. We should call to remembrance Jesus' birthday every year. In fact, I would submit to you it shouldn't be just once a year that we remember his birth. We set aside Easter to commemorate his death and resurrection, but the birth is just as important. Without the birth, there is no death, there is no resurrection, and there is no eternal salvation. The birth has to be included with that story. Eve is just simply the evening or day before a special day. You notice we don't call it Monday Eve, Tuesday Eve, Wednesday Eve. That's because every day of the week is not necessarily a special day. You may celebrate each day. You may have a good attitude. You may be joyous each day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I get that. But even the world understands by giving a special name to days before a special day. And so by commemorating Christmas Eve and saying it that way, even the world is saying we know that tomorrow is a special day. We know that we're remembering something special tomorrow. I want to read to you in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. This is the account or one of the accounts of Jesus' birth. It's personally my favorite account of it. And it starts out by saying in verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
We read that story every year. We celebrate it. But can you imagine being the shepherds in that field at that point in time? It's obvious they didn't know it was an angel of the Lord because it says they were afraid. All of a sudden, this thing is just happening in the sky, and they're scared. And the angels know they're scared. So they have to say, hold up just a minute. Don't be afraid. It's interesting. Almost every time I read about angels, they're having to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It must be such an amazing, majestic sight that our flesh just can't handle it. And it brings that fear on, so the angels have to tell us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then they give this word that, that the Savior has been born. Again, we read this story and get to read from start to finish so we know how it ends. But in that moment, they had to have faith. They had to trust that what they were being told was true. You know, you and I have moments like that in our lives. Where we've heard from the Lord, but we have to decide whether or not we're going to believe that we've heard from the Lord. And we have to do that before we actually know if what was told to us is true. Which means, as we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, you have to have that relationship with the Lord. You can't just know about Jesus. When I witness to people now when I go out, I used to just say, do you know my friend Jesus? And a lot of times, almost every time, people will say, yes, I do. And the Lord started prompting me to ask him a follow-up question. I say, but do you have a relationship with him? Then I get some different answers. And then I get an opportunity to witness. Because you see, I'd be shocked if everybody in the world hasn't heard about Jesus. But they don't have a relationship with him. And maybe there are some segments in the world, deep in the woods, I don't know, that don't know. But by and large... The name of Jesus has been put out there so much that people know the name of Jesus. What they don't understand is that relationship with him. But you see, until we get that relationship with the risen Savior, we're not going to know who's talking to us. We're not going to know what's going on. So we got to have that relationship with him. I like the next part of this story. In verse 13, it says, And suddenly... Everybody say suddenly. No, that was weak. you got to do it with some passion. And suddenly, there you go. Got to make your neighbor jump a little bit. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Say multitude. Amen. How many of you know multitude is way more than one or two people? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know what I noticed about that scripture, those two scriptures right there? The multitude didn't come until after that angel appeared. And I got to thinking about that. If that one angel was scary, I can't believe what would have happened if they all showed up at the same time. I mean, that might have just totally floored them. An angel must have known. So he's like, all right, fellas, I'm going to go in first. I'm going to get them all calm, and then y'all come in with me, okay? The other thing I noticed about that is, When the multitude joined, they started praising God. You know, it's interesting to me, if you take notice of your life, the times where you start praising God, there may be some people that run away that don't understand, but you're going to get people that will join in as well. Something about the name of God. Something about praising God that just brings unity, that brings joy, that brings that just awesomeness. Amen? When it talks about the 24 elders in Revelation, 
they can't go very far before they got to just fall down and say, holy, holy, holy again. It's not because they're robots and God's pressing a button and making them either. It's because of that relationship that they develop that is just so amazing and so awesome that they, you know, they just can't fathom going any further without just praising the Lord. It's contagious. When you start praising God, it's contagious. Stop looking at what you're seeing in the natural and trust what's going on in the spirit. Understand that no matter what's, being, what's going on right then, if you start praising God, others will join in, even if it's just the angels. They're going to join in and praise God with you. In verse 15 it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When the angels had gone away, they had a decision to make. You see, when the Lord brings the word, you have a decision to make. Are you going to act on the word that God has brought to you? Everything I'm telling you is things we should be thinking about on Christmas Day. When we're celebrating Jesus, when we're reading the story of his birth, the same thing happens in our life. Either God shows up or he sends his messengers to bring us the word of the Lord. He brought messengers in the form of the writers of the Bible. That's the message of the Lord. But we have to do something about what we're hearing. We have to put our faith into action. James says for, uh, in chapter 2, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see, we've preached the gospel of grace so much, and it's important to understand that we're saved by grace and not of works, right? Lest, no, lest any man should boast. That's what the Bible says. Because there are people that think you can work your way into heaven. But what hap what's happened to the other side of this conversation is we just start saying, well, God will make it happen. Well, God will make it happen. Well, God will make it happen. And we don't do anything. We don't take action. So you got to have faith with works. We say all the time in education that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's the doing. That's the works. The thing we have to remove is thinking that the works are what get us into heaven. God's grace is what gets us into heaven. Jesus' death, resurrection is what gets us into heaven. But we are to carry out the message. What have we been talking about? Being kingdom stewards, correct? Part of being a kingdom steward is presenting the gospel, presenting the message, because that message will affect God's most treasured possession, and that's people. The message of Christ is what needs to go forth. When Jesus was leaving the disciples, the end of Matthew tells us to go and make disciples. Disciples are more than just converts. Disciples is more than just salvation. See, we've been talking about tithes and offerings. We don't want you to get to the tithing level. We want you to get to the offering level. Because tithes is level one. Offering is that next level. That's where you get into the presence of the Lord. That's where you start really being kingdom stewards, trusting the Lord. Discipleship is that next level. Salvation is just the bottom. And guess what? You can't save anybody, and I can't save anybody. But I can disciple somebody. So Jesus said to go make disciples of people. That's part of being a kingdom steward and watching out for God's possessions and being a good manager by 
pouring into others and discipling them. Let me go back to Luke 2, 15 and 16 here. There are a couple other things I want to point out to you. They took action. But notice in verse 16 it says, And they came with haste. They didn't tarry. They didn't wait around. They didn't take their time. In fact, if you back up just a little further, they said, Let us now go to Bethlehem. It didn't say they talked about it and took votes. Uh-uh, what do y'all think? Should we go? I got, I got five yeses and three noes. We need a unanimous decision, everybody. All right, let's go again. No. Let's go. Let's go. They made haste. You know what that tells me? There was an excitement. You're telling me the Savior was born today? We got to go. We got to go. There are times in our life God's saying, hey, I'm moving. I need you to take action because I'm moving. I need you to see this. Don't wait. Go do that thing that God has put on your heart. Trust the Lord and see. You know, I'm reminded of the story of Ananias. Not the Ananias and Sapphira, but the Ananias that God used to heal Paul from his blindness. Can you imagine getting that word from the Lord that you're to go and to pray for the man that has been after your people to kill you and put you in jail? You better have that relationship. You better have faith. But guess what Ananias did? He went. He trusted the Lord. You see, when God tells us stuff, when he calls us to action, it almost never is easy in the natural. It's almost never easy in the natural. Noah is building an ark. And I like the way one comedian talked about that story, how his neighbors must have been like, what you doing, Noah? I'm building an ark. <laughs> okay. I mean, he didn't build it overnight. It took a long time to build it. He had to have faith that he was doing what the Lord called him to do. You can't trust just what you see in the natural, which means you have to have that relationship with the man you're going to celebrate tomorrow. That's what his birth means. It means God wants a relationship with you. If he didn't, he wouldn't keep trying because we keep messing it up. All throughout history, go read the Bible. Adam and Eve had the best deal out of all of us, and they messed it up. But God still loved them. God called a people, set them apart. He didn't do that just for the Israelites. He was doing that for the rest of the world to say, look, this is the way you should be behaving. This is what I'm looking for from my people. It wasn't just to say, Nana and Abubu, you're not a part of them. In fact, he spread that message to the Gentiles. We represent the Gentiles. And thank God he made a way for us. Because God says, I love you too. And so I'm sending my only son. I'm sending my only son. So Jesus came and he was born. And he walked as a man. We cannot simplify that too much. We get in our heads that he was God, so it was easier for him to walk the walk. That defeats one of the main purposes of him coming as a man. As flesh. He provided the template. When we say it's not possible, Jesus said, yes, it is. 
I don't know about you, but I have a lot more respect, and it's a lot easier for me to follow somebody who has walked where I've walked. It doesn't mean I won't trust another source. It doesn't mean I won't listen to them, but it is a whole lot easier for me to trust somebody that's been where I'm at. Listen, I talk about my weight quite a bit because it's my story. I've taken that journey. And one of the things I quit doing after a while was listening to you knuckleheads that lost a whole 20 pounds. Big deal. And you want to talk to me like you know where I'm coming from. You have no idea. And then I meet with the health nurse at my doctor's office, and she says, if you'll just do this, this, and this. And I say, if I could do this, this, and this, I wouldn't be in this position. <laughs> Obviously, I need something else, a different strategy. So forgive me if you've lost your 20 pounds and give me advice, and I just smile at you real politely, but you and I both know I ain't doing anything you just told me. Because I have to have a relationship with the Father. And as he begins to show me how to adjust my lifestyle. And then I remember that he walked where I walked. He was tempted by the same things that I'm tempted by. He spent 40 days in the wilderness without food, without anything. And at the end of the 40 days, it is very important that we remember that part of the story. At the end of the 40 days is when uh, Satan came to tempt him. Why? Because his flesh was the weakest. So I'm going to pray and tell Jesus he doesn't understand what I'm going through? I don't think so. No matter what you're going through, Jesus understands. Those of you that have lost a loved one, God experienced that. He had to watch his son die on a cross. He knows you. He knows where you're coming from. He understands the pain and the hurt, and there's nobody better that can love on you and lift you up and restore you back to joy. But you have to pursue that relationship. You have to know who we're serving. And that story starts with a celebration tomorrow with the birth of our Savior. Verses 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 2 say, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known. Tell your neighbor, widely known. That means they told more than a couple of people. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Before I read the next verse, i got to imagine what's going through their head. They've seen the angel of the Lord. They've seen the multitude of hosts join in with praising God. They've been given a word about the birth of a Savior. They have made the decision to go. They didn't dilly-dally. They went with haste. And when they show up, what was said was actually true. Now, you can read it any way you want to. But having walked in this flesh, it's going to be hard to convince me that there wasn't a little moment of, oh, man, they were telling the truth. How do I know this? Because I don't read any scriptures that say as they went, they told everybody what was going on. It wasn't until after they saw the Savior and everything the angel of the Lord told them was true, then, buddy, they definitely latched on and they told everybody. May I tell you that if you're struggling witnessing, if you're struggling telling people about Jesus, if you're struggling to be that light for them, that you need to go deeper with your relationship with the Lord because when he reveals things to you and they come true, nobody can talk you out of what you believe. 
Revelation says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That test happened to me. That test happened to you. You can try to tell me that that didn't happen, but I know what happened. I know what's true. And then it's super easy for me to talk about what's happened in my life. When you witness to somebody, all you got to do is help them understand why you follow Jesus. It's no more complicated than that. You don't have to know every scripture in the Bible. Matter of fact, people would rather know your story than all the scriptures. I know that may sound horrible coming from the pastor, but I'm speaking truth to you. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb that was already shed and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their own lives even when faced with death. Nowhere in that scripture does it say they knew the Bible inside and out. See, the Bible is a resource for us. It is valuable. But just like you 20-pound losers, well, you're not losers. Maybe I should say that differently. I apologize. I didn't want to listen to you because you really hadn't been where I'm at. But when you're talking to somebody about your struggles and your real-life frustrations and what you've been through, and yet Jesus was there for you, that makes a huge impact. On people and then guess what happens then they know you care and then it opens up a whole world to you to disciple them and to begin to share the scriptures and to begin to break it down what God said see we got too many people in this world that read the Bible for a historical text we even have some Christians that read the Bible for historical text it's not until we develop that relationship the Bible is a great resource, but do you know the people they write about in the Bible had an encounter and a relationship with God before that was ever written? That God still exists and is still looking for a relationship with you and with me, and we're celebrating the birth of his son tomorrow. Amen? That's something to be praising him about. That's something to be excited about. God didn't make this complicated. We make this complicated. We make this complicated. Verse 18 says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I guess so. Because they told them their experience. They didn't go up and say, The Bible says this, 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 and this. They said, We saw an angel. This is what he told us. We rode out, we showed up, and that's exactly what happened. And you know why that was proof? Because those shepherds were not next door. They had to go more than a couple of miles. I mean, I love GPS and I appreciate GPS. I believe God invented GPS just for Herman Mason. I have been lost so many times it's not funny. I've finally given up. I don't know. I know that's not a real manly thing to say, but I'm, I'm through. I'm old enough now. I don't care. I want to get where I'm going. So I plug it into GPS. You know what the GPS was for the shepherds? Star. They just kept following that star. So you want to tell me how excited they were when they're going on this journey? And day after day after day, and they got that experience with the angel and the multitudes in their head, and they're going, are we really on the right track? And there's no GPS to say, in three miles, turn right. No give you doesn't give you an estimated time of arrival. 
You'll be at your destination in eight hours. But when they show up, after having followed this star that until that time had to be a little random to them, and when they get there, and what the angel told them was true, I guess they did tell everybody that would listen. And if you're the person hearing that, and you know that they, those people are not a part of your community, and they're telling you they traveled from a far distance and all they used was this star, I bet you did marvel and listen. Keep telling your story. It will resonate with people. People will marvel at what God has done, but that's the key. Your story has to give credit to God. It has to give credit to God. That's what being a kingdom steward is. That's what we've been talking about is giving credit where credit is due. Well, God is due all credit. God is due all credit. I love the last two verses of this story. Luke chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That is one of Tammy's favorite verses. And, and as the mother of Jesus, again, I'm not going to go through her whole story, but I, I encourage you to go back and read it because God did some things before with the birth of John the Baptist to prove to Mary that what was being told to her was accurate. So that when she realizes she is with child and she knows she hasn't been with a man, you talking about facing ridicule and persecution? There's nobody around there that believes that story. Yeah, right, God impregnated you. But she knew, and God knew. So when we, we, we hear that song, we sing that, Mary, did you know? I bet she knew a lot. And when it says she pondered them in her heart, you mamas can relate better to that than we daddies can. I love my children with all my heart, but I didn't carry them for nine months. And I can get, based on the stories that Tammy's talked about, the kind of relationship that's built there. When the kids would kick in her stomach, I mean, that, was, that blew me away. It was amazing. It was awesome. But, but for her to experience that, it was a different relationship than even what I have with my kids. So you talk about Mary pondering all these things. And she's got to be thinking, you think your story, shepherds are good. You had an angel show up and tell you that you were going to travel a far distance. I had him show up and tell me I was going to carry a baby, and it wasn't going to be with my soon-to-be husband. So while I appreciate your story with the Lord, I've got to tell you what I went through. Whoa, man. Unbelievable. Verse 20 says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let me tell you something. We talk about seasons all the time. God's got you where you're at for a reason. Draw into him. Learn the lessons. Disciple the people you're supposed to disciple. And he may return you somewhere. But I guarantee you, if you have done things the way God has told you to do them, you will return glorifying and praising him just like the shepherds did. Because you see, they had an encounter with the Savior. They stepped out in faith. And then met the Savior, and their lives were changed forever. When the disciples were in the upper room, and that mighty rushing wind comes in there, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks happened. They know what happened. 
because they experienced it and their lives were changed forever. Peter had just denied he even knew Jesus. And now he's preaching and God's using him to lead over 3,000 to the Lord that day. From denying him to preaching him everywhere, Paul is hunting down Christians, has an encounter that changes his life forever, and he becomes one of the main authors of the Bible. God uses him mightily. When you have that encounter with Jesus, it will change your life forever. You won't have to try hard to want to serve him. You'll go back praising and glorifying him no matter where you're at. When we act on words from God, it gives us such joy that we can't help but glorify and praise him. As I close this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. This Christmas, what signs has God been sending you? Are you even in that frame of mind that you're looking at the things going on around you, that they might be signs from God? What signs has God been sending you? What words has he been speaking to you? Second question, are you acting on his words or are you hesitating? Are you making haste or are you hesitating? We've been talking about being a kingdom steward. All these things point to that. Are you being a kingdom steward of his word? Are you making disciples? Are you living a life that would show who Jesus is to others? When we read that parable of the talents, are you like the person with five talents, two talents, or one talent? As you celebrate Christmas this year, if you've been that person with one talent and you've hidden that talent that God has given you, Think about what he did for you. Let tomorrow serve as a reminder that he loved you so much that he was born, died, resurrected for you. And he's giving you the talents. Do something with them. I want to celebrate Jesus' birth tomorrow, and I hope you will too. Let me remind you of Luke 2.11. And if you'll stand to your feet, I'll close this out. Like I said at the start, I want to have communion. I want to take communion with you this morning. But I just want to remind you what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to remind you of another scripture in just a second, but I want to go ahead and read it because you see this wasn't a surprise to God. You weren't a surprise to God. Because you see back in Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was in Isaiah. And then we read Luke 2. Stop thinking that you're a mistake. God created you to be a steward over his kingdom, and that includes the people that are in your life. So tomorrow when you celebrate Jesus, really celebrate him and understand what that means. He wants a relationship with you today. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, 
accepted and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.